Welcome everyone to a Wednesday edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We are coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all your cleaning needs. Check them out online, Clearwater Cleaning Solutions. Dot com. I'm online, Twitter and Instagram at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. So, Monday's show was all about the American League. Tuesday's show was all about the Masters. Today's show is all about the National League in Major League Baseball as we continue our preview of the baseball season by going over the over-under win totals for the Major League Baseball season. Uh, a few of these... I was a little interested in uh, a few of these. I was a little surprised at when you, you dive a little bit further into the uh, into the research. So let's get going, shall we? We will start in the National League East with the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves. The win total is set at ninety one and a half. Fangraphs has them at ninety three wins. This lineup is crazy good, and they get Ronald Acuna Jr. back. So wow, yeah, the. the the, the fact that they won the World Series without one of the most exciting players in baseball is insane. And I think Acuna is going to be a very motivated figure in this. Also, the uncomfortable subject of Marcelo Zuna comes up as he is someone who was suspended for basically all of last season because of a domestic violence situation that he was allegedly involved in. That suspension is up. I believe he is playing with the team this year. I, I don't like talking about these things as if, well, I mean, the legal thing aside from a baseball standpoint, because um, it's it's a horrible thing and it's an uncomfortable thing to, to talk about. Unfortunately, as we look at this from a baseball preview standpoint, this also makes the Braves line up a little bit better. There's obviously a loss with Freddie Freeman, but I think Matt Olson is going to be just fine in that spot in this lineup. So I, I think that... I think this lineup will be just as good as they were a year ago. And again, you'll hear me say this a few times because there's a few stacked teams in the National League, but this is one of the, the best lineups in baseball. You have a pretty good one too in Freed and Morton. Obviously, I think one of the big ones, and um, he's not officially one of my X-Factors, but if they can get anything from the Calgary kid, Mike Soroka, who has just been um, decimated by injuries over the last couple of years, you, you just... The, the luck has to turn around for this kid. When, when he is out there and when he is on, he is one of the best pitchers in the game. And if they can get that out of him this year, then all of a sudden this pitching staff is really good. I get concerns about relying on Morton at 37 years old. Like just at some point that has to fall off, right? I think Freed is a legitimate number one. The bullpen is super deep. They had Jansen, McHugh, O'Day, Yates. Like, this is a, a bullpen that I think you can roll pretty deep with. This is a very good Atlanta Braves team that is going to challenge for a World Series again. As far as X-Factors are concerned, Matt Olson is, I think, the difference between this lineup being great and being elite. And I think Ian Anderson in the pitching rotation, same thing. We talk about... Freed, we talk about Morton, we talk about Soroka. If you can get Anderson at a high level as well, again, that takes this rotation from great to elite. The New York Mets wanted to take the step from average to elite this offseason, and holy smokes did they spend. Um, it's another offseason where they go out and add some big names. This time, just to the lineup, it's uh, Starling Marte along with Escobar and Canna. This lineup is really, really deep. 
And the starting rotation on paper looks really good. DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, Carrasco, Walker. The issue, DeGrom's already going to miss some time. Scherzer's not going to be ready for opening day. Taiwan Walker, remarkably inconsistent. Carlos Carrasco, amazing story, has had trouble staying on the field and staying consistent when he gets onto the field. There is, in my opinion, not one lock-solid thing on this team in terms of the, the pitching rotation. Like, when everyone is at the peak of their powers, this is easily easily the best rotation in baseball. I don't think there's a question about it. The problem is there's so many questions about them that you have to ask those questions about it. I I really, really do have a lot of concerns about this Mets team. Kind of a, not the same ones that I have about the Yankees, about where New York kind of is relying on best case scenario because best case scenario for a lot of these guys is... Uh, very, very high. If you get best case scenario out of this whole team, honestly, they're winning 110 games this year. Like, this is an, a, a very, very good team. But I just, I have major concerns about the reliability from a health standpoint and from a consistency standpoint of this starting rotation. The bullpen was a major problem for the Mets last year. They add Otto Vino to it. They they need Diaz to step up, and he is one of my X factors. They need Edwin Diaz to be the lockdown dude in that bullpen. He needs to be able to shut the door um, because this National League East and this National League in general is going to be very competitive this year. They can't have some of the bullpen issues they had a year ago. I'm going under 91 and a half. I think you missed a Grom for the first couple of months of the season and just some of the injury issues there. I... I'm I'm going under. Another X factor, sorry I didn't get to it, is Francisco Lindor. They need him to get back to uh, his Cleveland days very quickly because this is a deep lineup, but if he's not that guy, it's not really a a superstar heavy lineup. I think they need like a a big step up guy in this lineup. Up next, the Philadelphia Phillies, their total sits at 86.5. Fangraphs has them at 88. This lineup is is, again, one of the best in baseball. It is deep. There is power throughout. You have the reigning National League MVP in Bryce Harper. They add Kyle Schwarber for a good lefty bat. They add Nick Castellanos, who I think going to Cincinnati is one of the more underrated players in baseball. Um, The issue is this team can't defend worth a lick. Schwarber is a defensive liability in left field. Castellanos is a defensive liability in right field. I think... This Phillies team is going to be fascinating to watch this year. Because what do we talk about all the time in what wins games in the playoffs? Pitching and defense. This team's got pretty good pitching. This team doesn't have a lick of defense. Does that matter in 2022? Because we talk about pitching and defense. We also talk about how much the game has changed. Less balls are being put into play. I think Jason Stark said something like 20,000 less balls than a decade ago were put in play because you either have a whole lot of strikeouts or you have a whole lot of home runs that are being hit. There's a lot of three true outcome guys out there, walk, strikeout, or home run these days. Because of that, how important is defending? I still think it is very important, and it's one of the reasons why I have the Blue Jays going as far as they, uh, as far as I do, because you have one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball with Matt Chapman, meaning you have one of the better defensive uh, left sides of the infield in baseball. So the, the, the Phillies are going to be an interesting test to see how much has the change of offensive philosophy and from pitching philosophy, how much does that affect 
how important defense is. I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by this Philadelphia Phillies team. I think the starting staff is really, really good. Nola, Wheeler, Gibson, and Eflin. I'm not a huge Kyle Gibson guy, but when he's your third or fourth, dude, this team is good. Um, and, and the bullpen is a... It's a giant question mark. They added Knable and Familia and Hand this offseason. Hand is a bigger name than he is uh, a producer at this point. He was a disaster with the Blue Jays last year when they acquired him at the deadline. And the, the Blue Jays bullpen at that point was better, but still not at a point where they can just be sending away guys all willy-nilly. And they had nothing for Brad Hand. This bullpen was a major issue for the Phillies a, a season ago. I think Knable is good. I think Familia is good, but is it enough to get this team where they need to go? They're the X factor. I, I think the pitching staff is good. This lineup is going to score a bunch of runs. It's the bullpen though. If that bullpen is leaky, then this team's going to have some, some issues that this team bet the over in a lot of Phillies games this year. Um, on that note, I'm going over 86 and a half wins. I think this weird baseball science experiment works out in, in Philadelphia's favor, at least in the regular season. The Miami Marlins have one of the biggest differentials between their Vegas total and their Fangraphs total. The Marlins total sits at 76 and a half. Fangraphs has them at 83 wins. This lineup is sneaky good. You have Soler, the, the hero from the postseason last year for the Braves. You have Efesel Garcia, who... Um, hasn't really reached some of the levels that I thought he would, but is still a, a very good hitter. And then you have a couple of other, like Cooper is fine. I like the versatility they have on the bench with Birdie and Wendell, a couple of guys who we talked with uh, Richard from out of the park earlier this week, uh, or I guess it was last week, um, talked with him about the out of the park video game. I love getting actually this platoon of Wendell and, and birdie. Th those are two really solid guys you have coming off of the bench. They can play every position and there's a righty lefty split with them. So I, I think that's kind of a smart bit of versatility for the Marlins and a lineup with guys like Soler, Garcia, Cooper, uh, Jesus Aguilar, you have five or six guys who could potentially hit 20 home runs this season. And the starting rotation's pretty good. Like you, you have a good uh, top three with Alcantara Rogers and Lopez. And then you have a couple intriguing arms in the bullpen. I liked this Marlins team a lot more than I was expecting to. I think they're going to be one of my MLB.tv teams where they're like, you look at the pitching matchups for the night and just going to be, Oh, Oh, that's a really good one. So at least early in the season, I'm going to be checking in on some Marlins games. My X factor for them is Jesus Lazardo, 24 year old. He's their number four pitcher. If he turns into something elevated this year, then this becomes one of the sneaky good pitching rotations in baseball where you can roll out four guys that you are comfortable with going six or seven innings on a night. I think this is a, a sneaky, sneaky good team. I have them over 76 and a half wins for the Miami Marlins. So we have a couple of overs in this division. Where are the losses coming from? Well, let me introduce you to the Washington Nationals. Their total is set at 70 and a half. Fangraphs has them at 72. Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz are two of the better power hitters this game has. The rest of this lineup is a disaster. This is a bad, bad baseball team. Um, and I like without Soto, this is the worst lineup in the big leagues. At least it's one of them. It's up there. There's a couple other real bad ones. You know, we'll get to Pittsburgh in a little bit. We talked about um, Oakland yesterday. But th this is... Do not sleep on how bad this Washington Nationals team is. Um, I, I think Nelson Cruz could be traded by the deadline. 
you look at the pitching rotation, Strasburg's not going to start the season on the opening day roster because of an injury already. You have Patrick Corbin, who at his best, he can be one of the better ones in the game, but there's a lot of inconsistency there. And those are the two guys that you're counting on. The rest of this staff is awful, and there isn't a whole lot that you like from the bullpen either. I am not a fan of this team at all. couple of um, X-Factors, Josh Bell, they just need another hitter to step up in this lineup, and I think he could be that on a few nights. And Josiah Gray, they, they desperately need a pitcher to step up, and I think he has the best opportunity to do that. I'm going way under. There is a sneaky chance this is one of the worst teams in baseball this year. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going under. I think this team could easily lose 100 games in the 2022 season. Up next, the Milwaukee Brewers. Their total sits at 89.5. Fangraphs has them at 88. This average... Uh, Freudian slip. This lineup is average at best. Like, that they just have... They have... Oh, he's good. Oh, yeah, he's pretty good. Oh, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he's okay. Like, that's, just, that's their whole lineup. One through nine. Um... We'll, we'll get to one of the guys who could step up in a minute, but this pitching staff is elite. Um, in the rotation, Barnes, Woodruff, Peralta, an amazing one, two, three at the top of your rotation. In the bullpen, it's elite with Hayter, Williams, and Boxberger. That might be the best one, two, three combination in all of baseball. The X factor for this team is Christian Yelich. We talked about how average this lineup is. If Yelich can get back to his MVP form, that takes the lineup from average to good, and that makes this one of the most dangerous teams in baseball. Like, the, this, this pitching staff is one of the best we will ever see. Um, and certainly one of the best we have seen in the last, like, 20, 30 years, honestly. It's, it's so, so, so good. But this lineup is so, so, so plain. And they just, they need Christian Yelich to just step up in any kind of way for, for, for this team to, to be successful. I have them going over. This pitching staff is going to play, and this division is dog shit. So I, I think Milwaukee gets the job done. I, I think they kind of comfortably hit the over at 89.5. Up next, the St. Louis Cardinals. Their total sits at 84.5. Fangraphs has them sitting right at 500 at 81 and 81. The middle of this lineup is really good with um, Goldschmidt, with the Canadian Tyler O'Neill, and with Nolan Arenado. This is like that, that is. That is a dangerous middle of the lineup. The rest of the team around that is not awesome. This is a very top-heavy lineup. And I I don't love the pitching rotation either. And I know that's blasphemous to say about a St. Louis Cardinals team. And I think I think a bit of it, and I've talked I talked about this in my last job too. There's a bit of Cardinals fatigue with me, where it's just like they have a bunch of dudes who you never really have heard of and you don't get super excited about, and they're in the playoffs every year and they lose in the LDS every year, and occasionally they'll squeak into the LCS and you'll, oh wow, this guy, what an amazing job they've done with this guy, and then you never hear from them again. I'm, I'm just, I will admit, I'm over it with the St. Louis Cardinal, and they were one of my favorite teams to watch when I was growing up with Pujols and Edmonds and Roland, um, late career Larry Walker being added there, like I, I liked those Cardinals teams, and now it's just Nah, I'm over it. I could use I could use a couple years off from the Cardinals being a, a relevant baseball team, and they're going to be around 500. But I, I don't know how relevant they're going to be postseason wise. You have uh, Giovanni Gallegos, who is one of the, the top closers in the league, and the bullpen is pretty solid. The X factor here is Stephen Matz and Mike Mikolas because they are relying on 40 year old Adam Wainwright to be the Adam Wainwright that everyone is familiar with. They need Mats and Mikolas to be, I think, 
at the peak of their powers all season long to be able to have this team get to where they need to get to. I said before, this is a bad division, but I still think the Cardinals go under that win total. Cincinnati is next for me. Their total sits at 73 and a half. Fangraphs has them at 75. I don't see it. Um, this lineup sucks. Um, get Joey Votto the hell out of Cincinnati. Like, he he does not deserve to have his final years being played on such an awful, awful team. Ta- like, get get him out of there. One of the only intriguing parts about the staff is Tyler Maley, who is one of the, like, more underrated pitchers in baseball, but the rest of the pitching staff sucks, and there's nothing in the bullpen. I talk about the, the Nationals being one of the worst teams in the league. At least with the Nationals, there was, like, three guys that was like, hey, watch out for these dudes. With Cincinnati, it is Maley, it is Votto, and that is it. Um, Cincinnati is way, way, way under for me. The X factor here is Nick Senzel, and that just makes them watchable past May if he is having a a big season like I am way gone on the Cincinnati Reds. Chicago Cubs are up next. Their total sits at 74.5. Fangraphs has them at 75. This lineup is average. Like, again, there's just, it's it's kind of like the Brewers, where it's just like, oh yeah, that guy's pretty good. Oh yeah, that guy's all right. Oh wow, that guy used to be good, and now he's kind of just okay. They have platoons everywhere. Seiya Suzuki, I, I think, is going to be interesting, and is going to make me watch a lot of Cubs games early on. Also, they're on during the day a ton, so it's easy to catch up with them, and easy to watch uh, watch them. So, um, that makes it... That, that makes them interesting. Like I said, platoon heavy. I'm interested in Nick Madrigal at the, the top of the lineup and not just because of the amount of Encanto jokes you can make about Nick Madrigal um, at the, the top of this lineup. But I, I think young player, hits for a high average, has some speed. I, I think he he's a fascinating guy that they got in the, the Craig Kimbrell trade a year ago. I don't mind the pitching staff. Hendricks, Stroman, Smiley, that's a, it's a, it's a nice one, two, three you got there. I don't know if there's a one there, but it's, it's three twos, you know, like one plus two plus three gets you to six. So does two plus two plus two. Um, but that lack of a one is a, a bit of a concern for me. They added a ton in the bullpen, Robertson, Givens, Martin, uh, Norris and Chavez. So, a bunch of a bunch of former American League East guys in there, um, and I guess one National League East guy in Martin. I don't know what factor those guys are going to play in this bullpen. I think that was a lot of what we saw from the Blue Jays a couple of years ago, where you hope a couple of these guys hit and you can trade them for a B-level prospect at the, the trade deadline. The the X factor for me, there's a couple for the Cubs. Ian Happ, he has shown flashes of being like that top prospect guy that a lot of people were excited about when he was coming up when the Cubs just had top prospects just exploding out of Wrigley. If Ian Happ can get too close to that level, that makes this lineup actually pretty interesting because they're missing that big dude in the middle of the lineup. Like I said, there's just a bunch of, oh yeah, okay, in there. They need him or Suzuki to step up and be that big dude. And in the pitching rotation, to me, it's either Hendricks or Stroman. I think those are the two guys who have the ability to get to that number one level. If they both do, then this is a really intriguing, sneaky playoff team with the the pitching staff that they have and with the additions they made in the bullpen. If Hendricks and Stroman can get there, that they're at least competitive. I'm going over 74 and a half. It's a low enough number that even if this team is kind of hovering around it and decide to go the seller route, I, I think that they can still still 
get to that total and get a little bit over it in August and September against what is, again, a very bad division. Not going to spend a lot of time on this. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, the total is at 64.5. They have Brian Reynolds and K. Brian Hayes, who you would have heard of, and the rest of the team is not a Major League Baseball team. This is another bad year for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you hear rumblings that they may trade off Reynolds. Eventually, you have to be good, right? Um... This is not going to be the year. I don't have. I don't even have the X factor for Pittsburgh. If they get even close to sixty-four and a half wins, is their general manager. If he trades away one of the two actual big league players he has on this roster, then this is, could be one of the worst teams of all time. So there's that. Uh, the LA Dodgers are up next as we get into the National League West. The Dodgers have the highest win total according to Vegas at ninety-eight and a half. Fangraphs has them at ninety-four. This. I've mentioned, oh, this is one of the, oh, this is one of the best lineups in baseball. Maybe this is one of the best lineups in the American League. This is the best lineup in baseball. There is no question about that. The the Blue Jays and everyone else who I've said, oh, wow, this could be one of the, the best lineups in the big leagues. Everyone else is playing for number two because this lineup is stupid how good it is. The fact that they lost Seager, replaced him in the lineup with uh, defensively with one of the top prospects in baseball and offensively with Freddie freaking Freeman. Good grief. The, the lineup is elite. There, there's not a whole lot to say about that. When everyone's at their best, this is one of the best rotations in baseball as well. This is where the only question marks about this Dodgers team for me come into play. Walker Bueller is one of the best pitchers in the league. After that, I get a little bit concerned. Clayton Kershaw has been plagued by inconsistently inconsistency the last couple of years. Julio Urias can go through stretches where he's one of the best pitchers in the game, but there's a bit of inconsistency there. Andrew Heaney coming over from the Yankees, he had some inconsistencies. When everyone is at their best, again, one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. And this isn't going to be a fatal flaw for the Dodgers, but I just, if you were to poke any kind of hole in this team, it's that they they need maybe a little bit more reliability behind Walker Bueller. And again, for the most part, Kershaw is reliable. And for the most part, uh, for the most part, Urias is available. There's going to be like a month or two where those guys are just a little bit off. Like that's, I, I cannot express enough that me saying, oh, wow, these guys have a couple of question marks compared to the Cubs having a little bit of question marks is a vastly different thing. I'm looking at these guys in terms of being elite and the Cubs in terms of being good. Uh, and I don't know why the Cubs just got caught up in this drive-by here. But, like, the, we are we are definitely splitting hairs on an elite team. And this bullpen is excellent. They, they add Kimbrell, which gives him a real good punch at the end of this bullpen. He's not what he was a couple of years ago, but he's still quite good. Blake Trinan had a stretch where he was one of the best relievers in baseball. And Daniel Hudson in the seventh inning... Or in the eighth inning, like they, they got the late innings on lockdown. Uh, a couple of X factors for me. Cody Bellinger has just lost it. Um, I heard the Keith Law show or the athletic baseball show with Keith Law where he was talking about maybe considering putting Cody Bellinger just in extended spring training for a little bit, like just not even bringing, bringing him up to the big club. That is how far this has fallen for Cody Bellinger. I, I don't know where it has gone. I don't know where I don't know where you go to find it. If he does, then this is one of the best lineups of all time. And Gavin Lux, um, one of the top prospects in baseball, he hasn't lived up to that yet, although it's it's been one year. Like again, we're splitting hairs here. But it, again, if he can kind of elevate his game, then all of a sudden, 
again, one of the best lineups of all time. And we talked about the inconsistencies of the pitching staff. Uh, I have Urias or Tony Gonsolin. If they can step up and maybe take a bit of the, the burden of being a number two off of a Clayton Kershaw, uh, again, this is the most complete team in the big leagues, in my opinion. I'm going to take the over on this Dodgers team. The San Diego Padres are up next. Their total is at 88.5. Fangraphs has them at 89. No Tatis early in the season is going to hurt this team, and it kind of makes the lineup look average. Like, without him in the middle of that order or at the top of that order, it's, okay, Machado's pretty good, and well, we've heard heard of Hosmer, Hosmer before, and Cronenworth, like, he can pop into a couple of things. It's, it's just kind of all there, for me, for the, the lineup. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's uh, whatever. This pitching staff, though, is one of the deepest in the big leagues. I'm not going to say it's the best because I think that's the Brewers. Um, but you look at how deep they can roll with Darvish, Snell, uh, Musgraves, Shalmaniah, who they just acquired. Clevenger is going to be coming in at some point. Did I say Snell already? Uh, like, that they have, they can roll seven, eight, nine deep with just quality big leaguers. Obviously, at some point it falls off, but um, they, they just, like, Shomaniah as a number four is the best number four pitcher in baseball. And Clevenger, eventually, when he comes back as a number five, is just, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. We've just kind of forgot about it because he's been hurt for the last year and a bit. But, like, they can go so deep. My concern is this is not a strong bullpen. You have Lamette and Suarez. They're fine at the back end, but there isn't really that lock it down thing. This has been a team that has been aggressive in addressing weaknesses over the years. This one, like, trying to go out and get Jose Ramirez, that's fine. It, it makes for a fun conversation and gets you in the headlines for a few days. Not what they need. This team needs a guy at the back end of the bullpen to, to try to shut things down. That's why Lamette, for me, is the X factor for this team, pitching-wise. On the offensive side of things, Jake Cronenworth is that guy. With, um, with Tatis out, they need another guy, I think, to step up in this lineup, aside from a Machado and the occasional Hosmer. And I think Cronenworth has the best opportunity to do that. I like, with Tatis in this lineup, I like this Padres team a lot. But because he's going to be out for a little bit... I'm taking the under on the Padres, um, and I'll, I'll get further into my explanation, I guess, on that in a few minutes here. The San Francisco Giants are up next. Their total sits at 85 and a half. Fangraphs has them at 85. This lineup is the definition of average. This is a dated reference for everyone, but on the old Game Boy, when you would make a trade for a guy on Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, A, um, the other team, like, you didn't have to negotiate. If you wanted to trade Otis Nixon for Ken Griffey Jr., you just got to. But whenever you would make a trade, everyone came over to your team with a stat line of hitting 250. That, that It wasn't zero. It wasn't what it was before. It was just everyone was at 250. That's kind of what this team is like. Like this, this Giants lineup is the living embodiment of the Mendoza line with, with the, the guys they have. Like Yaskremski around 250, Darian Ruff around 250, all these guys, like every, Crawford around maybe 260, 275 if he's feeling frisky. Like that, that's, that's just, that, that's the best way I can describe it is this Giants lineup is the Mendoza line. The pitching staff is really good. Webb at the top um, showed what he can do in the postseason. Rodon, I think, is a fantastic move for this Giants team. He was one that I wanted the Blue Jays to go out and get. I think the weapons that he has at his disposal going to a team that maximizes pitchers' abilities like the Giants do is a perfect fit for Rodon. Um, I 
that that was, I think, one of the best signings of the offseason. And then you have Desclafani, uh, Fanny, I screw that name up all the time, I apologize. A, a fine number three, wooden cop at the back end. A, a couple of guys who, again, this coaching staff can get the most out of. It's a very good five. You have a lot of good arms in the bullpen, not not a whole lot of great. Uh, the X-Factors for me are in this lineup with, with Yaskremski and Ruff. I think they need someone, like I said, to step up and be even just good and step away from the average, drive in a couple of runs, get a couple of key hits in these ball games for this team to do anything in what is a pretty competitive division. I have the Giants going under 85 and a half. I think last year was uh, an aberration. I think there's going to be a bit of a step back. Arizona's up next. Their total's at 65 and a half. Fangraphs has them going way over at 74. The average or the uh, the lineup is okay. Like you have Marte, Peralta, and Walker at two, three, four. That's a fine two, three, four. They're they're fine. They're fine in in Arizona. In the pitching department, you have Merrill Kelly, you have Mad Bum, you have Zach Gallon. That's a that's a fine one, two, three starting rotation. You have Melanson and Kennedy in the bullpen. That's a fine one and two. Like they're just. They're just kind of there. I think 65 and a half is a bit aggressive. The only way that it might be that is like that's it's going to be a lot of losing to the Dodgers, the Padres and the Giants, right? Like they're not they're not on those guys' level, but honestly and truthfully, like this lineup isn't that much worse than what San Francisco's trotting out. It's just the the San Francisco starting rotation. Like if they if they catch them 1 2 3 versus 1 2 3, it's an interesting series. If they catch them 3 4 5 versus 3 4 5, San Francisco is running them out of the ballpark. Like the, the it, it falls off in Arizona, right? And that's the thing too. If anyone gets hurt on Arizona, it falls off very very quickly. So I think Arizona goes over that total at 65 and a half. And now we go to the Colorado Rockies, one of the bottom three run organizations in baseball. They pay to trade away one of the best third basemen in the league in Nolan Arenado. Don't get enough back for him, even with paying him to go away. They do not maximize the value of a Trevor Story and just keep him on the roster and let him walk for free. And then in the offseason, they sign Chris Bryant. Nothing they do makes sense, and I think that's playing into things a little bit. Their total sits at 68.5, although the numbers uh, from Fangraph say they're only a 69-win team. They were a whole lot better than I was expecting them to be when I looked at this lineup, and maybe that's clouding my judgment a little bit. But, like, you look at the top of the order. Blackman, Brian, CJ Cron, you have Randall Grichuk, you have Jose Iglesias a little bit down the lineup. That's pretty good. And there isn't an ace at the top of this order uh, for, for pitchers. I guess Kyle Freeland would be considered their ace. And when they have the local broadcast and it's Kyle Freeland against um, Walker Bueller, they're going to be like, oh, it's a battle of the aces tonight. When The Dodgers wouldn't be saying that. But that's that's going to be their guy. You know, that, that that's going to be their um, Sean Markham for the Blue Jays for a couple years when they didn't really have anyone else. Sean Markham is an ace. And they're like, well, he's... He's your ace. Um, that, that's kind of what Kyle Freeland is is here. But they, they just have a bunch of guys like that. Like I, I said before with the Cubs, they have a bunch of, they, they have three number twos. The the Rockies have five number three guys, you know? Like they, they don't have that blow away stopper at the, the top of the, the rotation that every fifth day you know what you're getting. But they don't have the, oh my God, this guy's ERA is 10. Um, they, they just, they're, 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 they're there. Um, and the bullpen, they add column eight, who I, I like, quite a bit. It is it is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. My X factor for this team is Kyle Freeland. I, I think if he can maybe take another step forward in his development as a starting pitcher and does give this team that legitimate number one guy, uh, maybe they can make some noise. 
I don't think this is a 100-loss team. I, I, I have them going over 68.5. I understand going under also doesn't make them a 100-loss a, a team. But you know what I mean? This is... This is an all right team. They, they were better than I was expecting them to be. So that gets us to our playoff predictions. I have the Dodgers and the Braves finishing 1-2 in the National League. So they get the buys past the wild card round. My wild card matchups, Milwaukee against the Mets, Philadelphia against San Diego. I think San Diego, like I said, they go under the total at 88.5, but I, I think that when they get Tatis back, they go on a run. They still have enough to make the playoffs. It's just, I think they could be 500 for the first month and a half, two months of the season. And that's going to be a bit difficult for them to, to make up to get to a 90-win season. But I think they'll be good enough to make the playoffs. Milwaukee against the Mets would be an interesting postseason um, matchup. Because you have a Milwaukee team that, as I said, has one of the best pitching staffs we have ever seen. And a lineup that is just kind of eh. If the Mets are healthy, I think they have the pitching rotation that in a best of three, best of five, whatever series can match what Milwaukee can put out there. Like best of three, Scherzer to Grom, boom, I win. I get Barnes and Woodruff are very, very good, but at Scherzer to Grom, I win. I think the Mets win that series. Um, and that's going to have a lot of questions being asked in Milwaukee going into that, that offseason if that happens. Philadelphia against San Diego. I think this is where, again, San Diego is on that rise now from getting Fernando Tatis. I think this is one of the better teams in baseball. I think they um, I, I think they beat the Phillies. So that sets up Dodgers against Mets, Braves against Padres in the NLDS. I have the Dodgers and the Padres coming out of that. And I have the Padres beating the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series. If you'll remember from Monday, I have Toronto beating the White Sox in the American League Championship Series. Shout out 1993. And so in the World Series... I have the Blue Jays taking on the San Diego Padres. I think baseball fans would love this. I think Fox would hate it. I, I'm going to play the bias card. I think Toronto wins that series. I think that their lineup can be just a bit better than San Diego's lineup. And I think that pitching staff-wise, it's very, very close. One thing I'd be interested in in the postseason, like we talk about the depth that San Diego has at starter and not a whole lot in the bullpen. I wonder, probably, a couple of those strong starting arms make their way into the bullpen in the postseason, and that makes this team just a little bit more dangerous. But my my official prediction is the Toronto Blue Jays over the San Diego Padres in this year's World Series. So those are the predictions. Oh, my, my locks from the American League. We locked in uh, Boston under 85.5, White Sox over 92.5, Cleveland, the Guardians, under 76.5, and, and Oakland under 69.5. We have five from the National League. We have the Mets under 91.5, the Marlins over 76.5, Washington under 70.5, Cincinnati under 73.5, and Colorado over 69.5. So there you go. The Blue Jays are winning the World Series. Hope everyone enjoys the baseball season, and thank you all so much for tuning in to the program today. Spring into action with Clearwater Cleaning Solutions this spring and get 10% off your booking when you call 403-274-3998 and mention Spring Promo. Check Clearwater Cleaning Solutions out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com, or again, call them 403-274-3998 and mention Spring Promo. 
Um, in terms of what's coming at you for the rest of the week, we got uh, Twitch. Hopefully later today we'll hear how the voice is holding up with the, the whole COVID thing. Um, Thursday, we will definitely have another Twitch. And then Friday, it is a monumental weekend in combat sports. Ryan Garcia is fighting. Gennady Golovkin is fighting. UFC has a very good card with three solid fights at the, the top of it. So we'll be breaking all of that down coming up on Friday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I will talk to y'all later. I'm out.